You're listening to The Good GP, the podcast for busy GPs. Welcome to The Good GP. This is part two of our episode on internet-based CBT. Our guest today is Dr. Michael Millard. One thing I might mention, Mike, is that as a referrer, I've often thought, oh, you know, this is an 85-year-old woman in front of me. How well is she going to manage the technology interface? And actually, usually the answer is pretty well. It's a a very non-confusing interface. It's simple and very easy to use. So just assuming for someone perhaps you think may not be that tech savvy, can't really do the program, is, is a flawed assumption music to my ears and the literature backs it up. Uh, What we found is when we looked across the lifespan is a lot of people think that older people wouldn't benefit from online interventions. It's the reverse. They actually benefit more. (laughs) And we've worked hard to make the interface simple. Of course, we now know that almost every grandparent is a whiz at FaceTime and emojis thanks to COVID. But the the old thing where older people tend to stick with things and work through them is alive and well. And that's what we see in in terms of they work and they almost work better in the older age groups, which challenges, I guess, a lot of assumptions about that. And also just worthwhile briefly mentioning that there's sort of language support for people where English is their second language and they're uh, culturally and linguistically diverse. Yes. One of the things we're particularly proud of, and I've spent a lot of time talking about the treatment programs that we've got on the website, but we have an awful lot of other material that's on the website that's been created to help clinicians just to use CBT in their practice. So there's all the worksheets for you to to use with your own patients that are out of the programs and complement the programs. Part of that is that about now a year ago, we did some work with New South Wales Multicultural Association and uh, we looked around and there's a lot of fact sheets along the lines of, you know, what is anxiety or what is depression in other languages, but we realised that there's no coping strategies. We translated a whole range of our different most popular coping strategies and worksheets into the 10 most common languages in New South Wales. And it's really designed to be able to give people actually progressive relaxation in Cantonese and and all sorts of, have a look, they're they're on the website, it's all free, it's all sitting there and and really designed to be helping you guys to provide care to to your patients. Great, thanks Mike. So let's take a spin through the the courses available because I think for a new prescriber, it can almost be a bit overwhelming. I mean, you, you go to that site and you see, oh gosh, there's, you know, you keep scrolling down through the courses basically. So take us through the courses and, you know, perhaps why and where you might consider different courses. Absolutely. You're right. There's 18 on there. So we've got quite a few to choose from. I'll talk about my favourites and they're probably the ones that I'd be starting with. I think, again, when I take it back to medication in the sense that if you find a new medication, you have to prescribe it to five or so people before you realise who's going to benefit from this and who isn't and you get a bit more familiar with it. Well, the internet treatments are exactly the same. The program I use the most is our transdiagnostic program. So that's our anxiety and depression program or our mixed program. And that's our most popular, and that's a reflection of, that's the thing that's most common in the community. It's the one 
that I make all our registrars do <laughs> themselves because it uh, nicely explains, I guess, cognitive behavioral therapy through the program. And so that's my kind of go-to program. The other favorites, and probably this is again a reflection of what you see in practice and definitely what you guys would be seeing, is our insomnia program. This is not sleep hygiene. This is uh, what's called CBTI or CBT insomnia. And it would be perhaps the one that I'd encourage you guys to try. Who has not had a difficulty over the past two years with sleep? So it's fantastic. It's only four modules long. It works on treating insomnia like an anxiety disorder. So it's really around looking at faulty cognitions. Sleep restriction is the super powerful ingredient in it, tracking your sleep. So that's the one that I throw into the mix. So when your patient comes in later today and tells you about their sleep difficulties, sure, you know, 10 tablets of Zofaclone might head out the door, but at the same time say, I'm not going to give you another box till you come back and tell me that you've done this program and show me the certificate. And that's the challenge. And I'm sure you'll be impressed and surprised with what they come back with. So that's my other favorite. The other one that I'll highlight, and again, one we're particularly proud of, is our chronic pain course. So this program was created as a collaboration between our chronic pain clinic here at St. Vincent's and obviously us. And it's very multidisciplinary. So there's a lot of exercise stations, there's a lot of psychiatry, there's a lot of psychoeducation, and it's a really nice package that is designed to help another very, very, very common presentation that we're seeing. We have uh, pain networks across the country who are using the program as a way of managing their waiting list. And what they've seen is that a large number of people who get referred into the chronic pain clinics don't need to progress onto the chronic pain clinic. So the waiting list gets shorter and the people who do need to progress are getting in to see the specialist clinic faster. So when you're, you have that person who's sitting in front of you, who's got chronic pain, throw the course into whatever you're doing as your standard treatment program. Beyond that, we have mindfulness-based programs if people prefer that kind of approach. We have a whole range of different programs for anxiety disorders right across the spectrum. We have a perinatal program, so it's a very short program. It's only three modules. There's one that people can do prior to delivery or post, depending on uh, their particular circumstances. And all of them, they've had the trial data to show that they work. One of the things that I'll say is that going to the website and, and being overwhelmed and seeing that we've got quite a lot of programs, the place that I tell people to go is the online assessment. So the online assessment is a battery of validated questionnaires, starts with the K10, and then progresses through the whole range of courses that we offer. And then at the end of it gives a recommendation of what would be the most appropriate program. It's a really nice way of sifting through and recommending. And of course, it's got built-in safety mechanisms if they trigger some of the alerts that says, actually, I think you should go and see your local clinician. It sounds like you're a bit more distressed than you might have realized. And we're just about to add the option that they can then email that report to themselves and then bring it into you. When I see patients at the hospital, they've done the battery of questionnaires. I will look 
before I see the patient and I'll see what's their K10, what's their GAD7, what's their PHQ9. So are they predominantly anxious? Are they depressed? And I'll also, of course, because of question nine of the PHQ9, we'll be able to see if they're having thoughts of self-harm. And for me to know that before I speak to someone is a really, really valuable piece of information to know to help you tailor your consultation with that person. Thanks, Mike. That's really helpful. So let's talk about getting a patient on board with this way up in terms of access and, and referral prescription, if, if needs be. We have a split model. Being in a hospital and being a doctor, I keep going back to medicines, but it's always a nice way of thinking about it. So we are the only ones who have that prescription option, and we're the only service that's designed to be integrated into your patient care. So almost all of our courses are available off the shelf if it was a medication, and for some of them, there's a cost for that. So that's if someone's Googling us in the middle of the night and they would like to start the panic program, they're able to do that. And there's a fee for that. And that's $59 or it works out at $5 a week of access to the program. Now, the reason why we have a fee, because we're of course a non-profit and sitting inside a public hospital, <laughs> is that it's a well-known behavioral economics fact that if you have to pay for something, it's more likely to work and it's more likely that you're going to finish it. And we actually see there's a 20% bump in adherence when there's a cost. Now, the other thing that gives you an increase in adherence and an increase in the effect of the program is if your clinician recommends it or prescribes it. So what we saw is that for a long time, clinicians were a little bit awkward with the idea that they were recommending something that cost. And I was told, you know, it's a barrier to us using the program. We want to use the program, but we're sensitive to the fact that a lot of our patients can't afford the $5 a week for 12 weeks. So we took it away, the cost for the prescription program. And this was really around the idea that we want you guys to be using the stuff and helping your patients. So if you give a prescription, it has the same bump in adherence and effect as if there's a cost. So that's great. What that also does is that it allows you guys as clinicians to be able to say, hey, I'm going to give you a referral to our psychologist, but there's a bit of a wait. I'm going to give you this prescription for whatever, but it won't work for a bit. But I'm also, as part of the... I, you know, listen to this webinar and this crazy guy was talking about these online programs. Well, uh, they normally cost $59, but if I prescribe it to you, it's free. And that's a beautiful thing for your therapeutic relationship with your patients. So I encourage you all to do that. And then all of our programs are free. And to prescribe takes about 30 seconds. So uh, your web browser will, you, you will have your name and your password because it takes a minute to register with us, which is also free. And you just put the patient's first name in, their email, you tick the box that says waive the fee, and then you choose the program and off it goes. And then your patient will have a link in their email, it takes about a minute for them to register, and then they can start the program and get underway. So that we've tried to make the system as very simple as possible, as very easy as possible, really as a reflection of the fact that we know that clinicians are busy and we wanted to remove as many barriers as possible. 
That's great, Mike. I think that that really summarises how simple and easy it is. And it's a, a very simple interface for patients to get on board. The other, I think the other benefit of prescribing is that you can just say, hey, there's, there's an email coming to you from this way up clinic. And that's something that I've generated for you. So it's, it sort of affirms this idea that this is an actual prescription I'm giving to you. Absolutely. And as a psychiatrist, you know, I'll say that that's a beautiful transitional object that you go into the dynamics of the process uh, that improves the relationship between you and your patient and their sense of you. And also the idea that when you say, I'll be able to, if I want to, and I'll do this before I, I see you next time, I can log into my dashboard and I can see your progress. So there's the idea that, that there's someone there that cares about them because they already know you. You'll be able to follow their progress through the course. One of the things that I want to just touch on, because it is something that sometimes makes people nervous, is that the system has inbuilt safety mechanisms. And we ask if people are having thoughts of self-harm and suicide. So we think that that's important and it can be confronting, I guess, in some ways for people because they sort of got used to this idea. So I just place it in this context in that you've had your consultation with your patient. You, you have taken your history. You've, had, you've got your diagnosis. You would have done a form of risk assessment around that and touch base on whether they're having thoughts of self-harm or suicide or anything. So you know that from your initial consultation and thoughts of self-harm are very common. So if you've done that and the patient scores on the PHQ-9 question nine and they say that, you know, sometimes I have thoughts self-harm, then you know that's no change in the clinical picture. And the system, when one of the users is going through before the module, will fill this in. Now, if they say that they're having thoughts of self-harm, they'll get a notification straight away that pops up and says, look, we can hear that you're distressed. Here is the information that would be helpful in terms of here is the contact information for services like the Suicide Callback Service of Lifeline. And we know in terms of our research that the key thing if people are having thoughts of self-harm is having a safety plan. So the system will pop up and there's a document there that we've called the Keep Calm, Stay Safe Guide, which talks them through a safety plan. So they're the inbuilt bits that the user gets. So the next day, you, if you're supervising them, will get a little notification that says there's an alert that's come through. And then it'll prompt you to say, you'll log in, you'll see that blah, blah's just triggered this. Now you can look at that number and go, that fits exactly with what I would expect it for that person. There's no change. I don't need to do anything. Great. Or it could be, oh, okay, yeah, they're having a bit of a rough time. I might get the practice nurse to reach out and just touch base with them. Or, of course, we can just give them a call now and, and it's a telehealth consult. So people get a little bit nervous about that. But I actually say that it's no different to what you do already when you've seen someone earlier in the week and you've given them a blood form. They've gone to have their pathology test and boom, the pathology test has come back with a very high raised white cell count. That may fit with your clinical picture and you'll be like, okay, not surprised. I can leave that. I might give them a ring. Or it's come back and it said they've got chlamydia. Okay, I really should give them a ring. <laughs> or they've got a potassium of two. 
You guys are already managing these types of alerts in ways that you've been doing for years. So the psychological ones are actually no difference. We're just coming up to what you're doing in different areas. So I think that once people become familiar with the way that the system works, that then these things are not difficult and they are actually helpful. We've got a program called our Digital Champions and these are people right across the country who are using the programs and they write in and tell us their experiences. One of my favourite is the Royal Flying Doctors Service uses our programs and they've got a beautiful story of the fact that if one of these alerts hadn't been triggered, then there would have been a very bad outcome. That's exactly what we're all working to do is to really look after our patients and this is just another tool. Mike, one question is what the access is like for patients and clinicians who may be based outside of Australia. So is the course accessible for people outside of Australia? Great question. All of our prescribed courses, which is all of the courses, are available free across the world. It's worldwide access. And we do have some very surprising locations that pop up that are using the programs from Antarctica. We've had, uh, you know, McLean Hospital over in Harvard, MassGen's using us, UCLA. We've got users across Quebec, New Zealand. It's really quite extraordinary to, to think of the reach. I think St. Vincent's jokes that we're their only international outpost. And the only thing to say is that the self-help programs at the moment only available to people who usually reside in Australia. So there's just a tick box that people select and that's really around the hospital's insurance that uh, they have. But the entire service is available free across the globe. We're very proud of that fact. Thanks for that, Mike. That's a really comprehensive discussion on This Way Up Clinic and internet-based CBT. I think it provides enough information for GPs to, to think about it and get started. The website is thiswayup.org.au and I would encourage GPs to get out there and give it a go. 